The events that shaped them. The passions that moved them. The people that influenced them. The moments that impacted them. Even the faith that transformed them. And through these stories flows joy and sorrows, disappointments and delights, countless twists and turns, all interwoven to create a never-before-told, one-of-a-kind story. The story of you. It's a story still being written by you and by God, day after day, line after line, storylines, write good things. Once upon a time in a land not too far from here, a baby was born. The circumstances of that baby's birth were not exceptional, so no one really noticed anything different about the child. Compared to the other children, the child seemed very ordinary. But this was no ordinary child. Not at all. By and by, the child grew, went to school, learned to read, made some friends, and even attended a few proms. Normal stuff. So no one noticed but they should have. In due time, this child came up to become a person with extraordinary gifts, keen perception, significant impact, and incredible power, the power to change the world. This is the story of that person. This is the story of you. Does it sound like your story? No, 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 I'm not exceptionable. There's nothing special about me. I'm just kind of the average, typical person. It's just not true. See, you have an incredible story. But here's the crazy thing about our stories. Most of us don't even realize how powerful and how impactful and, and how much uh, potential they have. But some of us don't even realize what our stories are. And well, we could, we could tell you what our history is, but, but to tell you what our actual story is... No, I don't think we really know that. Because do you ever have this experience, and I have this from time to time, where you're like, oh, I think I'm learning this about myself. Or somebody may some, say something to you, like uh, they make a statement, and they, they tell you something about you, and you're like, you know, you're right. I never really thought about that before. I never really noticed that before. But we discovered that there are things about our story that we don't even know. So what we want to do here as we start our storyline year and start our Story of You series is I want to help you explore your story. I want to help you understand your story because as you explore your story and as you understand your story, it's going to open up some things to you even spiritually. But your story is important for several different reasons. It's important because it's unique. You're the only person who has your story. You knew that. But it's something to remember. And there's a reason why it's you that has that story. Your story is also remarkable. And maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, no, nah, not my story. My story is just as plain and ordinary and as boring as it can be. Uh-uh. I disagree. It's just maybe a case where you don't know where or why or what it is that makes it remarkable. Thirdly, your story is important. It's important to all of us. But it's incredibly important to you because it's through your story that you relate to yourself. It's through your story that you relate to 
the people that you love. It's through your story that you relate to the world around you. It's actually through your story that you relate to God. So it's incredibly important, and it's meaningful. All of us have a desire for our lives to have meaning, and it's your story, actually, that gives your life meaning. And we'll talk a little bit more about that today. And then let me say this about your story. It's unfinished. So even if you don't like where your story is right now, that's okay, because the final chapter hasn't been written. In fact, there's a lot of pages between now and then that you can be writing. But let me just say this this morning. is It's very possible that your story isn't exactly what you think it is. For most of us, if I said, well, what's your story? You would tell me what your history is. And they're not the same thing. Well, let me just demonstrate what I'm talking about here if, if you look up on the screen. This is to represent all of the different things that have happened to you in your life. These are the events that you participated in. You could throw up there, you know, your first day of school. You know, you could throw up there back to church. You could throw up there your baptism. You could put um, just the conversation that you had with the boss last week. You could, whatever it is in your life, the vacation that you took to Maui or the one that you wish you could, whatever, or whatever it is, these are the different events of your life. But when we just have them up there all random, we try to make some sense of them. And so when we talk about story, this is what we often do. We create something that looks like this. Next slide. We put it on a timeline. And so here's when I was born, and here's when I went to school, and, and here's when I you know, had my first boyfriend or girlfriend, here's when I graduated. And we line up all these events of our lives on a timeline. But that's not really your story. Because as we think about that, we realize that not all events are created equal. And so we shift to what I would call more of a graph, and we start to line up our lives and our stories this way. Well, here's where it is chronologically, but here's where it is in the order of importance. And so we start to see that there's a lot more complexity to our story than what we realized. And so we've got it going this way, and we've got it going this way. And then as we look at this chart, though, we start to realize something, that a lot of these events are linked together in some way, and we start to see a pattern. And so this happens, and that links to this, and we start to connect dots. And so we start to actually see the, the, the geometry of our stories, or even the artwork of our stories. But even there, we realize that something's missing. Because we've talked about stories, and we've talked about these events, like these things that have happened, but we've just left it on a very two-dimensional plane. And so what we realize, though, is that those events affected us somehow. And so we have the emotions that go with it. We have the feelings that go with it. We have the messages that go with it. And we have all of these different things. And we start to realize that it's not a circle. It's more like this. It's more like a sphere. And just to give us a visual this morning, it's more like this. And this is really a pretty good repu uh, representation of what our story is and what our story is about. Because there are these things that are close to the surface, and then we discover that there's things very deep inside us. And it's so it's like this multidimensional thing that's our story. But here's what happens. We go through life, and we make contact. Whether it's, you know, with the wall or the, uh, another ball in gym class— or we make contact with a situation, 
a problem that comes into our life. Maybe we make contact with a person and, and we have a relationship issue that comes up. Maybe we make contact with a, a dream and we have these contact points all the way through life. Maybe we go to church and we make contact and we keep having these contact points. But the contact points, we see different things happen. And sometimes that ball goes down and it comes straight back up. And sometimes that ball goes down and it goes off in a crazy direction. And we're like, well, what's going on with that? That doesn't make any sense. Well, here's what it is. It's all of these things that make up your story, making contact with some point in life, and that story goes off in this direction because something's kind of messed up here. Or something's out of the ordinary or something's skewed. And so we see it go off in another direction. Or maybe we see it bounce way up. You know, it's like there's this incident that happens and the reaction's like crazy. You're like, what just happened there? It's all part of your story and how you're reacting to that situation. Or maybe the ball goes down and there's no bounce at all. And what you discover is that wherever that point of impact was hits a point of your story that's just squishy. Or maybe there's damage or maybe there's no resilience there. And so this is how our story actually influences our lives. Now, obviously, our story isn't a ball. And I've just used that to represent what our stories look like because I want us to see that it's just a whole lot more than events on a timeline. It's all of these things that come together to make us who we are. And they all arrive in sequence, but they all organize and, and sift themselves out into different ways. And so we could put it more technically with these conclusions then. What exactly is your story? It's the compiling of significant factors and events into your life into a particular order that forms a story arc or a plot line or a storyline. But we put all of these events into some sort of order in our minds whether consciously or subconsciously, and we use these then to define our lives. We use these then as, as a way for us to process what's coming at us in life. And it, it defines the narrative that we live in. Secondly, it's the combining of these factors that form a rubric for you to understand life, both yours and the things that are going on around you. And so something happens in your life, you have to interpret it, you have to respond to it, how do you do that? You go to your story, and that gives you the rubric where you frame that, and then you move on from there, and it becomes a response, which is the next thing here. You read your story by examining your responses to the things that happen to you. So if you want to know what your story is, see what happens to you and see how you respond, and that's going to tell you a little bit about your story because we act on what we believe to be true. And so our story becomes that belief system that frames our responses. So we need to understand our story because that's going to help us deal with life better. It's going to help us respond better. But it's also going to do this. It's going to give us some meaning and purpose in life. Now, Rick Warren made the whole purpose-driven life a big thing. And we all want to know what our purpose is in life. And we all want to feel like we have purpose. But just as much as we want to feel like we have purpose, we want to feel like we have meaning in life, that our life matters, like there is actually a story that's being written here that has some plot line to it, and it's not just some random dots up on a screen. 
And so our story helps us do that. And when we understand our stories, then we are able to create a context for hope. Because we realize that whatever our story is right now, it doesn't have to stay that way. It can become something different. And that's what God's all about. God's all about taking our stories as they are and making our stories as he wants them to be. And so let's explore the story of you. Isn't this great? You get to come to church and we just talk about you. I hope you feel special because you are, especially in God's sight. And so we want to look at the story of you. And the story of you is actually in the Bible. Did you know that? And it shows up in Jeremiah chapter 1. So I'll invite you to turn with me there to Jeremiah uh, chapter 1. And this is the story of technically Jeremiah. But it's actually the story of you, because the story of you can be seen in the story of Jeremiah. In fact, you're going to look at the story of Jeremiah and go, oh, that's me. Exactly. So let's read here in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 1, the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. And so this is Jeremiah writing about his own life, but he's writing in third person. All right, And he says, I am the son of Hilkiah. My father was a priest, so he was actually a PK, a priest kid. He grew up in a religious home. Um, it actually tells us where he grew up. And he grew up in this town called Anathoth. And uh, so it just gives us this, some details of this story that we would think were unimportant. Oh, not so. Your story is so framed by your background, by your family, by even where you happen to grow up. But it keeps going on there. It says, the word of the Lord came to him or to me. Uh, Jeremiah, in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month, in the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. And all he's doing here is he's laying out actually a timeline to say, the word of the Lord came to me, and this is, and I, I be, my, it started my story, and that story extended over the reign of about 40, 50 years. And so he's just giving uh, some, some uh, historical context there. But then he gets into his actual story. In verse number four, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as prophet to the nations. In other words, God comes and says, before you were even born, I had planned for you to be a prophet. And so here's how Jeremiah responds back to God. Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. And prophets, one of their main roles would have been to speak. And so he's making an excuse for himself. He's begging off here. He's basically saying, God, do you want me to be a prophet? You got the wrong person because look at my skill set. Public speaking is not in my skill set, so you need to move on to the next one. And God responds, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. So he only addresses the second of Jeremiah's objections there. And Jeremiah at that point would have been his 20s, probably say, I'm not old enough for this. He's like, don't say that. I'm going to put it in today's terms. Don't listen to the lies you're telling yourself. He says, don't say that I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And I don't know if that sounds encouraging or scary at the same time, right? Oh, you're with me. Oh, but everybody's going to be mad at me. Okay, I'm not sure how we want this to work. But he goes on, he says, then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth. That took care of the problem with speaking, didn't it? And said to me, I have put words, my words in your mouth. 
See, today I point you over the nations and the kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. And that's his story, but it's actually your story and my story, all of our stories, because it breaks down here into four parts. And I want to look at the four parts of your story here this morning. And this is a baseline for everywhere we're going in this series But I think there's something important that we can get from this because as we start to understand how our story is structured, we start to see the meaning that we're looking for in the story. Here's the first thing. Your story has a before. Did you notice that as we read verse number five? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Your story doesn't start at birth. Your story started long before birth. Your story started in eternity past where, in a sense, God imagined you. And if you want to talk about the story starting at conception, it's at the conception in God's mind of you. And that's when your story actually gets a start. But we use that word imagined, but that's really not what it says here. God says, before I formed you, I knew you. It's not I thought you up, it's I knew you, and it's a word that's used throughout the Bible to to, to depict a close personal connection and interaction. And I'm not sure I totally understand this, but what God is saying to Jeremiah, in in essence is saying to all this, before I formed you, before you were even conceived, I I didn't just know about you, I actually knew you. And there's that relational aspect that, that is there before anything else even gets started in our story. And that leads us to this point. You can only fully understand your story as you acknowledge and address the spiritual. Because God, from even before you were born, is a part of your story. And you're never going to understand your story fully Until you realize that the spiritual is part of your story. It's wired right into you before you even got a start. And if we fail to address the spiritual in our lives, it's it's like having a book where somebody ripped out like four or five pages. And those are the pages you really needed to understand the story. And you're like, you're it's like, no. But when we take the spiritual out of our lives and we try to make sense of our stories, there's no way to do it because we can only make sense of that when we realize that God has to be part of the story. But there's more to this idea of being known than just this interaction that somehow in eternity past we have with God. But there's also this thing that I believe is wired into us from this experience, and that's our desire to be known. We all have that. We have the desire to be known. That's why we, we share things. Why do you tell stories to people? So they can know you. Right? Now, this I thought when we had Brian and, and Tesla come up and share this morning, it's great for you because you got to hear their stories and there's an experience in that. But there's also something for Brian and for Tesla where they got to share their stories. And in just a small way, in a small moment, they got to be known. And that is actually put inside us. And it reminds us that we are wired for relationships, starting with God, but then going to people. And as we become known, 
we're going to find more meaning in our story. So being known is actually core to who you are. Secondly, though, your story is known, or it has a, a, a before, your story actually has a beginning. This is when you were born. This is, well, actually, we can back it up before then, can't we? Because we look at verse number five, it says, before I formed you in the womb, that would be conception. I knew, or I, before you were born, I set you apart. That would be birth. But birth is when your story goes live. You know, we know you're coming, and all of a sudden you are on the stage, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, they're here. And aren't births, for the most part, great things? And we get excited about those. I was thinking back this week to when my daughter Allie was born, and I, I was in charge of the uh, video camera in the delivery room, so, you know, we'd have those first moments. And if you go back and you watch 8 millimeter, okay, and you go back and you watch that, vi- that video, the person who's taking the video, you keep hearing this weird giggle in the background. And it's me, and I'm going, <laughs> I was like, that's how that, bur- I mean, it's, it's horrible. I've destroyed the tapes. It's so sad for my daughter. But there's a joy that comes from, from that birth, and there's a joy that comes from our lives because we are born. And what is it that brings that joy? It's that potential and that purpose and that promise that we are born with. And so your story is a story that's yet to be realized potential. It's what can be. It's what might be. It's what hopefully will be, and we all do that with our kids. And we kind of project that out into the future. I remember with Allie, when she went to kindergarten and graduated from kindergarten, they're like, what do you want to be someday? And this was her answer. I want to be a ballerina firefighter. <laughs> Didn't know that was a thing. Still haven't met one. But that was her thing. But uh, we see the potential in our stories. And so when we talk about a beginning, we are reminded of the fact that every single one of us, and this is your story, is created with incredible purpose, incredible potential, and incredible promise. You know, we're created complete and incomplete at the same time. You know, baby, it, it, every part's there. It's just like every part's not fully functional yet. But that's part of the process of our story is where God takes all of this potential and all of this promise and he starts to bring it together. And we just sang about how how he molds it together to become the people that we're supposed to be. And that gets us to the third point of our story. And that's this. We have a becoming. We have a becoming. There's a becoming to our story. If our story has a starting line that's birth, it also has an ending line. And that is when you become, ultimately, or who you have become, ultimately. If we look at verse number five there, God said, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And so from the very start of Jeremiah's story, there was this process that he was going to become a prophet. And it happened here. But it also happened here, and it happened here, and it happened here, and it happened all the way along. Because becoming a prophet wasn't just about his profession. It was actually about his faith. It was about his person. It was about who he would become. And so for all of us, we have this becoming in our stories where we take this promise of potential, and where God says, here's where I want to get it. That someday you can look back and say, okay, this is my story. And as we start to understand this, then we look at all these events in the middle, and they start to form this story arc for us, and we start to have more understanding. But so this idea of becoming, though, is simply this. 
A lot of times we get focused on our story on the events or the things that we do or accomplishments or the, or the positions that we, that we achieve and, and, and grab onto. It's bigger than that. It's not just what you do. It's who you become. And so our story has this becoming. Then fourthly, our story has a between. And that's where we live right now. We live in the between. It's the middle where we continuously face choices that serve to form the content of our story. And so right now, we're not, no longer at the beginning, and we have this becoming that we're engaged in. But we're in this story arc or this plot right now, and every single day we face choices. And those choices will take us more towards the ideal becoming or farther away from, the less ideal, or, or from that or, or towards the less ideal becoming. But we live in the moment of choice. And understanding our story helps us to realize that every day we are making choices that will make our story better or make our story worse. And that ultimately, God writes our stories, but on a very perfunctory level here, we are able to affect the stories of our own life. And as we continually face choices, they serve to form the content of our stories. And the simple truth is this, the better the choice we make, the better our story is going to be. The better the choice we make, the better our story is going to be. And by understanding our stories, we'll take this a step further, by understanding our stories, we can learn to make better choices. And so let me just wrap this up this morning as we've looked at these four things with two things that God actually said to Jeremiah here that can be encouragement to us as we look at our stories. Look at verse number eight. He says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you. You can have God's presence in your story. It's available to everybody. Not just Jeremiah, not just me. It's available. You can have God's presence in your story. So when you face hard times, you can lean into him. When you face the parts of life that's like, I don't get this, you can lean into God. He's like, okay, I'm with you in this moment. Maybe it doesn't make sense to you, but I am still here, and I am still with you. And then you read in verse number 9, it says, The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. You can have God's presence, and you can have God's touch in your story. And you know what God's touch does? It takes all of those gifts that you have and all that personality that you have and all that intelligence, all those opportunities. It just takes that and just multiplies that and magnifies it. And anything that you could become on your own, guys, is like, I can make it so much better. Like, and if you can't speak, that's okay. I can give you words to say. And if you're too young, that's okay. I can give you maturity behind it. And if you have all these excuses, guys, no, no, just let me touch your story and let's see what happens. We never have to be in the story alone. That's never the idea. It's not that God says, okay, let's toss you out there and let's step back and see what happens. Oh, it's not going so good over there. Uh-uh. This guy's like, okay, hmm, I'm thinking of you. And I'm just not thinking of you. I know you. And, and I'm going to give you a beginning here. And this beginning is going to point you off to what you're going to become someday. And then you're going to be in this between 
where we are right now, and every day you're going to face situations that are going to start to, they're going to frame your story. You can't help it. Everything we, we experience affects us some way. But as these situations come into our lives, God says, okay, I'll be there with you, and I'll help you so that you can become who you need to be. And so your story, it's unique. It's yours and yours alone. It's remarkable. It's incredibly remarkable. It's important to you. And as we go, we're going to try to just pull apart what your story is. Mark's going to take us on the next step next week when he talks about who God makes us to be, how we're formed, and what Jeremiah talks about here, and really expand on that. The week after that, I'm going to talk about all the different things from the outside that come in and affect us too. But your story is important. It's meaningful, but it's unfinished. There's still things there to be discovered, to be interpreted, to be embraced, and even leveraged for your sake, for God's sake, for the sake of the world. So what's your story? You have one. Whether you have it all defined in your mind or not, you probably don't because I don't. But as we uncover and explore this, for all of you, I hope that you'll experience this, this incredible story of you and the ability that you have to, with God's help, mold that story into right good things. Let's pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask three questions here this morning. The first question is, do you know Jesus Christ? As your personal Savior, have you invited God into your story? From time past, he wanted to be part of your story. And he asked to be part of your story, but he will not force himself into your story. Have you ever invited him into your story? And that's where Tesla and Brian were sharing stories of when they invited Christ into their stories. Have you done that this morning? And if you haven't, you can do that where you sit, simply inviting Jesus Christ. Come into your life to forgive you, to give you a new life in him. First question. Second question is, where have you seen God at work in your story in the past? Because that can give you encouragement for what's coming in the future. And it can help you know what you're supposed to become. And then the last question is this. What are the choices that you're making right now? Because those choices are defining your story on into the future. Make good choices. Heavenly Father, we take encouragement from your word from Jeremiah. And we ask that you encourage us, we go here from here today, with this idea that our lives aren't just random things where we just bounce around and try to figure it out on our own. No, they come scripted and planned and laid out by you. And that you intend and want to be an integral part of them. And so we commit ourselves to you and our stories to you and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark Manser, one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of performing the baptism today for Tesla and Brian. And this past week, uh, I was standing, had the blessing of being standing in the Jordan River where uh, Jesus was baptized. And as I sat there, or as I stood there, and also I sat there under some teaching of a, a Hebrew scholar and, and was taking in so much of the Word of God and understanding the culture and Understanding what took place at this, this mo in this very place where I, I, I stood in the water. Uh, he reminded us of two stories 
of that place on the Jordan River uh, that are, I think, is significant to us as followers of Christ. And the, and the first story is when Joshua crossed the Jordan River with the Israelites, and they were to go up into the land and conquer it. Well, needless to say, because of sin and, and their own selfishness, they did not conquer the land as God had called them to do. But then Jesus, when he came for his ministry, after uh, living for 30-some years, he he began his ministry, and he went down to where John was calling people to repentance. That same very place was where the Israelites crossed into the Promised Land. And here Jesus, he, he goes to this same place, and he asks John to baptize him as our example to us. But he goes not now as he baptizes, he comes out of that river, in a sense crosses through that river, and he goes into the land. He goes not just to, to conquer the land, but to conquer sin and death. And it's a beautiful picture of what we have here today. As Tesla comes, and you've heard her story, and how God has worked in her life, powerful story, and God's provision. Jesus, went, you know, I was reminded as you're sharing your story, how Jesus went throughout the land and healed people, and he still heals people today. Powerful story, powerful story. And so uh, we're reminded that Jesus, he, he set that example for us to be baptized as we are followers of him. We are followers of him. So I just got a couple, oh, sorry, Kristen, <laughs> splashing around here in, in the baptismal pool. But uh, just a couple questions for you in, in regards to, I just, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. And do you commit to follow him uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? I do. All right. And based upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried in his likeness unto death. Praise like this as you are. Brian now comes, and uh, we've grown together over these past few years. You've been with us. Exciting to see how God has been working in, again in your life and calling you to this place of commitment. And Brian, I would ask you do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. Awesome. Do you commit to follow him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? I do. Amen. Let's, <laughs> based upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bear this like you just raise this like this. <laughs> 